0: Welcome back to OMG. This is the third and last crossover episode with SoundUp Governance, a new podcast as part of my new GroundUp Governance platform. On this episode, I talked to my friend Lisa Oldridge, who calls herself a performance strategist. She's an expert in corporate governance, but also in assessing, valuing, and buying high growth companies. We talked about what makes a business good and what makes a company good, and whether those are the same thing, which they kind of aren't. I learned a lot, and I know you will too. If you like what you hear, head over to groundupgovernance.com and consider subscribing. Welcome back to Sound Up Governance. I know I frequently use the words business and company as if they're interchangeable, even though they're often pretty different. That's fine, of course, if I say business when I mean company, it doesn't hurt anybody or even confuse anyone too much, but still, I thought it'd be fun to talk to someone who could really help me to understand what makes a good business good, and how that's different from what makes a good company good. And, of course, all of this is tied up with the needs, wants, hopes, and fears of the customer. So I called my friend Lisa Oldridge, who describes herself as a performance strategist. She works with companies and boards of directors on governance, strategy, ESG performance, and more. Oh, and ESG stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance, and refers in general to stuff that's not directly related to money. Not only that but she's the investment director at The 51 Ventures, which invests money in disruptive, female-founded enterprises. Plus, in addition to being a corporate director and a bona fide governance nerd, she's also spent a big chunk of her life in institutional equity sales, portfolio management, and research. So, in other words, Lisa spent a lot of time and energy being curious about what a good company or a good business looks like, and whether those companies or businesses are worth putting money in. And that's exactly where we'll start. When Lisa's on the outside looking in, what gets her excited about a business or maybe a small company that only sells a single product or service?
1: So there's tons of problems out there. Whether or not it needs to be solved is another question. And often you see with founders, if, I, if you're talking about really teeny companies, you've know, you you've seen the typical entrepreneur, they're like, oh my God, we got to solve this problem, but it's really actually not a problem for that for many people. You want to see that there's a problem that exists and they've come up with something that will solve this problem. It doesn't have to be like the, the optimized version of it. You've probably also heard about MVP.
0: MVP or minimum viable product
1: or as Lisa puts it. We also call it the shitty first draft uh, of whatever it is, but you probably have a bit of traction there. IP is a big one. IP or thought capital or moat.
0: Moat, you know, just like a moat around a castle. It's something special about a business that makes it tricky for someone else to intrude on your territory by making it expensive or difficult to copy your technology, for example.
1: And then competition. And actually, this is uh, it's a bad sign when you see that there's no competition because it's usually, especially if you come in and you see a founder or or a group that are pitching and they're like, oh yeah, no, we came in with, we've come up with the thing, but nobody else has. It's like, A, it's probably not true, and B, it just gives you a sense of their capacity for understanding future pivots and the market, et cetera. Anyway, so that's more maybe a commentary on their character or their abilities or behaviors.
0: There's so much interesting stuff in what Lisa just said that it might be worth rewinding 10 or 15 seconds just to hear it again. It made a huge light bulb go off for me. To Lisa, an entrepreneur's understanding of their business can provide an important glimpse inside their character. We'll get back to that in a sec. I wanted a better understanding about this idea that creating something new with no competition might not be all it's cracked up to be. I mean we've all heard the term first movers advantage isn't that a thing shouldn't it be a good thing to be the first one to come up with an idea i even said to her lisa i'm trying to do something new and fresh in governance am i messing up
1: somehow let me ask you this why is first mover advantage the answer to everything it's not i think there's a presumption sometimes oh i've seen somebody else with that therefore it's not going to work right i think value proposition is the thing that you're selling or vending or creating or innovating on. It's as much where and how it lands as what it is. I had a mentor that, that told me, a guy that I worked with, he was awesome. He was like, Aldridge, the difference between being early and wrong is nothing, <laughs> right? Even ideas that are completely original still do have competition, and so I guess it's it's not a red flag to me if someone hasn't figured out who the person who's also doing, I don't know, lavender striped pogo sticks, but who's doing pogo sticks and who's painting toys lavender. And so what does that look like? Because it also tells you about the customer. You know, one thing that we, one thing that I do see is novelty, almost taking precedence over will this actually be used by more than a few people right i would rather see us i would rather see a concept or like somebody innovating on a proven thing or direction or widget but doing it in such a way that's original in the sense that it's adding more value to the to the end customer
0: So even for someone like Lisa, who studies companies at their earliest stages, looking for the coolest new ideas, the biggest opportunities for innovation and investment, there might not be a difference between being first and being wrong? It made me think of the songs or books or art that I love the most. Sure, there's something fresh and original about them, but they also, you know, give a sense of familiarity, building on what came before them. Sorry I'm getting a bit abstract here, but the insight for new businesses is pretty profound. Before we go too much further, Lisa used a term, value proposition. It's one of those terms most of us have heard before, but what does it mean exactly?
1: A value proposition. <laughs> I don't know. This is business canvas. It's like the middle of it. It's like the jelly in the donut. It's what your product or service or widget or thing does for your customers to make things better or to make them feel like things are better.
0: And this is how the customer ties into all this. A good business doesn't have to be completely new. It just needs to make the customer feel like things are better than they were without whatever product or service the business offers them. But let's get back to what Lisa said earlier about the character of the leaders involved. We know she looks at the competitive landscape, the value proposition, and so on. But what else is she looking for?
1: The leadership and the team attributes, you know, they... Dedicated that they have the horsepower and the grit and all that good stuff. And then I would probably single out the CEO as a separate or the found like the person who's in charge as almost like a separate thing. Because the earlier the stage of the company, the less actual crunchy information you have. And you're looking for leadership attributes, but then also just, you know, the whole humility and brain.
0: All of this started to make so much sense. Sometimes from the outside, we can't really see the nuts and bolts that show us the potential of the business itself. So we need to rely on what we really can judge. Character. Humility. Brains. So I wondered, if the potential of a person matters so much, could a great leader maybe offset concerns about a bad business or a bad company? In other words, to someone like Lisa, what matters more? The person or the business?
1: Could you have, you know, like a superstar person with a not so great company and what's better, that or the inverse? And definitely the former. And that works all the way up with, a, you know, with, with large organizations. I think probably even more so a great business with someone at the helm that's not great will eventually run out of Momentum. You can still make money in the meantime,
0: though. Whoa, we'll take an A founder with a B business over the inverse. In fact, a great business with bad leadership is at best a way for an investor to make a quick buck before the business dies. And you know what's extra cool? In some cases, emphasizing the people side can create special superpowers for the company and the business
1: if you're talking about a business inside a company or a vertical inside a company or a product line or some kind of an offering more often than not these days, you're talking about a bunch of people in a company that do a thing and it's maybe different to the rest of the things that the company does, right? One of the organizations that I sit on the board of has had the situation where, you know, they did a raise and then they acquired this business unit and it's really cool hearing about the first couple of days about where it was like, okay, you're here because we want you, not the thing, but we want you. And over and above it being a good acquisition on paper. Can you imagine what that did to the sense of, you know, engagement, therefore performance uh, of the company, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like, and doesn't doesn't require a lot of investment. Like it's not like somebody had to write a big check after the fact to sort of have these people come on and be super excited about coming into work the next day.
0: And there you have it, right from someone who's in the middle of it, studying, assessing, developing, and buying businesses and companies, and thinking about customers and value proposition, competition, and all the other things that can influence whether an idea will succeed or fail. And what excites Lisa the most? Character, humility, brains. The people who run these businesses and companies, and emphasizing the importance of those people, can further supercharge the organization's performance. In the next episode of Sound Up Governance, I'll speak with Nick Chambers about communities and stakeholders. He's an executive search professional and a governance expert who specializes in purpose-driven organizations. Thanks for listening.